Yo, what's up? This is Tribe. That's Bias. And as you know, the Sports Back Bros podcast is back on the scene on this Monday, the 45th episode of the Sports Back Bros podcast. If you've missed the previous 44 episodes, once again, it's your problem, your issue. We have things to talk about in the sports world, but we just want to have a conversation all together. Bias, let them know. The weekend was pretty good to us sports-wise. There are things to look forward to. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, pretty big weekend, preseason football. Um, we got uh, college football kicking off. Literally, College World Series going on right now. I was watching that. Chinese Taipei whipping Ch- Japan. Um, some, sometimes those Little League World Series games are more entertaining than actual MLB games. No, that's true, because I also remember back in the day with Danny Almonte. Remember that? He was like the big Oh, he was 19, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was like 14 <laughs> years old, and those little 12-year-olds are getting no-hit and perfect game, and they were crying, leaving the, leaving the mouth or leaving the, the batter's box, man. He was just mowing them down. You know, ultimately, he had a nice career, a solid career. He went to high school and played, then went to junior college and played. A major league team kind of looked at him. You know, they said he'd have been a decent player, but nothing special like we would have thought if he was legitimately 12 years old, mowing people down the way he was. But you know what? The Little League World Series, man, and then especially for you and I, a Yankees fan and a White Sox fan, it might be better to look at them now <laughs> based on what our teams are doing. What the hell's going on in baseball? Bring on the Little Leaguers. Right. And, you know, it's good to see MLB getting involved too, sending major league players to interact with the kids, you know, that helps That helps to grow the game. That's a, a big deal for the, the little leaguers to meet sometimes one of their uh, favorite players. Um, and MLB, you know, they're doing the right thing, uh, reaching out, trying to grow the, the game like that. Um, but you brought up Danny Amante. That's one of the most negative things in Little League World, his, Little League World Series history. To me, I like it because it's it seems innocent, but the crowd is into it. It could be like the, the March Madness effect. You yeah. know, it's do or die for the most part. Some, I know it's double elimination, but you don't want to go to that loser's bracket. So, like, every pitch counts, man. So it's like playoff baseball. But it's cool when you see a, a 11- or 12-year-old kid go in the gap and die for a ball and make a great catch. You know, that that's almost common commonplace for major leaguers. But when you see a young kid do that, you're like, wow, that's a really nice play. Yep. You know, sometimes these little leaguers go out there and put their bodies on the line more than these major league players who are going to pay the big money to do it. They don't want to get hurt even though their money's guaranteed. But, hey, you know, I'm, I've always been down with the little league baseball. And with Danny Almonte and the team he played for, they they were from the Bronx in New York. So I kind of was looking at them anyways. You know, the Bronx puts out some pretty good players. I mean, New York on occasion puts out some pretty good players in baseball. I remember Manny Ramirez playing for George Washington High School and batting over, what, 600? You know what I mean? That's how good he was. Manny Ramirez was serious. If he didn't have the cloud behind him, that's an easy Hall of Famer for you. You know, I mean, you know. Well, uh, yeah, well, Manny could hit. Poppy got it. I mean, he could hit. I mean, he put the bat on the ball. He could hit it out of the park. Manny was good. And they call him lazy on occasion, but it was Manny being Manny. So I just <laughs> hey, you know, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know about his, his defense in the outfield, but he, he sure could swing that stick, man. Oh, yeah. And he makes contact. The dude went over 300 a couple of times. I think I, mean, I think he did go over 300 a couple of times. But he could hit the ball out of the park. He was just excited. He was one of those characters in baseball. 
And baseball is always going to be better when there are characters because it's gotten to a point to where today's people who want instant gratification are calling it boring. And I can see where they're coming from. But to me, baseball will never be boring because I guess more of a traditionalist and, you know, being kind of more of a purist than what people are today. But nevertheless, man, you know, the Little League World Series is always a pretty good time of year. That means at least up north, school is about to start again because these kids are coming out. You know, there's some things we wanted to talk about today, man, but we're going to have a legitimate conversation. But before we just have a legitimate conversation, which falls within the line of a legitimate conversation, one of the news stories that had come up, Sage Steele, the former ESPN personality, well, she settles with ESPN and she decides she doesn't want to be with them anymore. And obviously it was undisclosed the amount she had sued for. She made $3 million a year. And so I guess it was more of a, I don't know, a personal thing that she wanted to do. She claimed that her amendment rights were violated, the First Amendment rights. And to a degree, if you look at ESPN and you know what they are, you can see where she's coming from. But, well, now she's gone. And there is some type of backlash because of it. I believe she won her lawsuit, right? So she was validated. Um, But ESPN, they have the right to... Uh, I don't want I don't want to say censor, but you know, monitor what their employees say. And mm-hmm. if they say something they feel was out of line, then you know they they can take action. My only issue is, and I didn't really see everything she said. I saw an interview she did with uh, Megan Kelly, and I just I just questioned why is she being asked about Obama? You know, he hasn't been in office in what seven years. So why is he even a, a, a topic? So that tells me Megan Kelly, or no, whoever interviewed her, because Megan Kelly did the follow-up interview, my bad, had an agenda, right? And if you're, if you're coming with agendas, then I got no time for you because you're just being divisive like 90% of other people in politics. Well, and exactly. When you're talking about sports, you, necess- you don't necessarily want to bring the politics into it, especially real politics, not sports politics. But it eventually ended up that way. Megyn Kelly has spoken to it. As you said, she followed up on a previous interview. That previous interview was Jay Cutler's podcast in which she had spoken up. There you go, yeah. And then on Jay Cutler's podcast, that was a follow-up from 2014 when Barbara Walters brought up the entire subject. And that was on a view, an appearance she made on The View. As you already know what The View is. And if you watch The View or know of The View, you kind of know where they lean. A lot like a lot of the major television stations, it's, you know, if you want to go into the political realm, it's going to be more of a left lean, a liberal lean. And Sage Steele has been known as a conservative-minded, if nothing else, a moderate conservative. And so when Barbara Walters brought it up, she just simply answered. Now, she added on to it, and I think that's where a lot of the backlash came from, because Barbara Walters essentially asked, uh, she said, um, well, why don't you identify as black or white? She says, I identify as biracial. Well, in today's age, you know how sensitive race is. It's always been sensitive, but it's kind of hypersensitive today. So when she asked her about why don't you pick one or the other, she says, because I'm proud of both of my heritages, my white heritage and my black heritage. Her mom is Italian-Irish and her father's black. So she celebrates both. But by the letter of the law, she's biracial. So I think it got to a point. She, I think if she stopped right there, she's fine. 
And she, yeah, she she would have been fine. Exactly. I think if they never would have made the comparison to bring up Obama, she brought him up because uh, Barbara Walters brought him up because she was like, well, you're not identifying as one or the other. You're biracial. Well, Obama, because this is when he was in office, Obama's biracial. He identifies as black. And she says, yeah, and I'm, you know, congratulations to Obama. And she said, I'm just fascinated that he identifies as black when he was raised by his white grandmother and his white mother and his father was nowhere to be found. Now, that's factual, but I understand how people don't want the facts given to him in a certain way. It looks like a shot against him when in reality... But he sees it in the mirror every time he looks in the mirror. Yeah, he sees it in the mirror just like she sees it in the mirror. But going back to what Barbara Walters seemed like she initiated, it came down to, hey, Barack Obama says he's black. You know, if you're, we, I don't think either one of us can speak on it unless we're biracial, but she's biracial. And if she chooses to honor her black side and her white side, or if she has another race that's making her biracial and she acknowledges both of those and she just says biracial, I don't think there's too much ado about it. But we're in an age now where they want you to pick sides and you hear these different types of people just making it more incendiary to say that. You know, you're not black or you're not white, that you're just biracial when that's what you are. There's nothing. No one's lying about anything. Then. Right. Um, I don't know. It's not like gender. You're either a man or a woman. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, you can have one person whose father is black and whose mother is white. And then they hook up with a person who whose father was Mexican and Asian. I mean that they're what do you, what are they? They're it's more than biracial. Yeah, it's more, more than, than one race. I mean, it's more than two races. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, thing. you know, in our world, you, you can't just say that guy over there, that woman over there. It's that black guy over there, that Asian yeah. woman over there. Um, you know, it, it, things need to change, but that's the world we're in, and it's it probably not ever going to change. And you know, we're, we're probably way too far from what should change anymore. I mean, remember just 20 years ago, 25 years ago, if there was a crime committed, they would say this man did that or this man did that or a criminal had done that. Now it's always this, um, a cop killed a black man or a white man did this or whatever it might have been. It's never just the man doing it or the woman doing it anymore. They have to be identified by their color. And you know how sensitive people can be about their race and they just jump conclusions immediately. But going back to Barbara Walters, I mean, what? why was it so much of an issue for her to choose one or the other and disrespect one or the other? Because as she also said in that same interview um, with Megyn Kelly, and I think she also said it with Barbara Walters, that she could remember, I guess she was being a bit facetious, she could remember her mom being in the same delivery room when she was born. I mean, yeah, her white mom, her Italian Irish mom was there and you know, her father was there too. I guess their family, you know, still together today. She has three children. I believe she's married to a white guy. And there shouldn't be much more about it, but people were just upset when she went the Obama route. And when you look at ESPN and you hear what they've been saying for years now, probably one of the reasons why people don't listen to them as much anymore, they've brought the politics into the sports and people typically use the sports as a diversion from the politics. And you listen to what they've said. If you listen to Max Kellerman, if you listen to Perkins, 
if you listen to um, Jalen Rose when he was there and a litany of Keith Oberman when he was there, there was always a liberal lean. And as long as you was in cahoots or you was in agreement with them, there was never a problem. She happens to be a moderate conservative or a conservative. Either way, it's different than what they think. And when she brought up things that they just didn't agree with, all of a sudden it wasn't about freedom of speech anymore. It became an issue. And as you said in the beginning, a private enterprise pretty much can censor you if they wanted to. But there's a thin line there because your First Amendment rights is a federal thing. Well, that's why she won the lawsuit. Yeah, I, I thought it was just a settlement, but you know what? If she, if I she thought won, I read that she won her lawsuit. Okay, either way, if she, if she won, she won, and that's pretty much them admitting that they're wrong, and they were wrong. I think they even kind of at one point pointed because, out because she decided she she didn't want to work there. Like, I believe she could have gone back, but she she decided to leave. Like, yeah, she's like no, she, I'm done. She wanted to go somewhere like what she said, where she'll get to express her First Amendment rights the way she wants to have a little bit more flexibility, if not a lot more flexibility. I've listened to Max Kellerman's nonsense for a long time. I agree with a lot of what he says boxing wise, but when he gets into the social political realm, I'm not too much believing or understanding or real, you know, kind of in cahoots with him or even trying to understand what he's saying. You know, and, and you know, people can have their differing opinions, and I don't know how. Yeah, so many people would have like, such a differing opinion about the same thing. I used to watch Sports Center almost religiously, like either right after work before the the primetime game started, or after the primetime games to get the updates, you know, on other games around the country. And after a while, it seemed to me that they started to try to make the news instead of reporting the news. Yep. So I stopped watching ESPN. I no no longer watched the Sports Center. Um, the only time I watch ESPN is if they have the the NFL game on, the NBA mm-hmm. game on, or the after after uh, show, you know, because I want to see the their comments on the game, whatever. But for the most part, I no longer watch ESPN. I mean, a lot of times when I'm flipping flipping through channels, I see cornhole, I see like stuff I wouldn't. I was like, wow, they have cornhole on TV now. Um, so like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't pay a lot of attention to ESPN. No, I haven't watched ESPN, a full episode of sports center in years. I mean, like you, I watch if the NBA is on or I watch if college football is on or even NFL football, I'll check it out, but it's not something I run to anymore for sports. I mean, with all of these other options out there, even options that aren't on television, if you just wanted to check a few YouTube or, uh, other social media platforms and get news from there. I mean, just just as good these days. And as you also mentioned, in terms of journalistic integrity, it's not there anymore because they're no longer being journalists. They're being editorialists. You know what I mean? They're giving you yeah. just simply their opinions. They're not reporting the news the way they should. And even if it's just sports news, which is the candy store, as I learned while in the media, you know, sports is the candy store. Why not just give people what they want? Those are the rabid fans that want to hear what you have to say, but yet you want to slide in whatever political agenda you had, like Keith Oberman. In fact, he even left ESPN because he believed he was a real journalist or he believed his political opinions did matter that much, and to someone they did. But yeah, that's just what we're dealing with right now. But with Sage Steele winning the way she did, I think that that she won for the right reasons. First Amendment rights, she'll get a chance to express them somewhere else. 
because she's not going to get a chance to express him at somewhere like ESPN where everyone is a leftist and she's the only righty, if you want to call it that. Yeah, well, I have a friend, one my very good friend, and a few years ago when podcasts became uh, uh, popular, I said, man, me and you should do a podcast because we don't agree on anything. <laughs> so a lot of times if we're at the bar or we're at somebody's house, people are at my house, he'll ask me a question. I'll be like, don't start, man. Don't start. He's like, no, I want your honest opinion. I'm like, no, you don't, because whatever I say, you're just going to disagree, and then you're going to be like, oh, 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 and people are already laughing because they already they've seen us in the past. So I'm like, that would be a great podcast, you know, just me and you arguing. I'm sure people would, would get a kick out of it. He's like, and of course he disagreed because he said, oh, I can't do that because I might say something and lose my job. And something like that probably would happen because in today's politically correct world, even if you're having fun on a podcast, someone would get offended. There would be an issue somewhere, especially with someone who works in the school system. He may just get fired. You know how that thing can go, especially in these kind of left-leaning cities. It's not a political thing, but yeah, it's a left-leaning city. It's not likely to happen somewhere else in Texas or even Florida at this moment, at least. You know, but something up there, yeah. You know, you can't have a, just a fun podcast and just go back and forth the way you would do at your own house. You'll have people scrutinize you on the outside and they'll use it against you if you say something that they believe is not the right thing to say. Could be, but for the most part, we would just be debating sports. Um, and if you've been listening from the beginning, this is the same guy who had his little toe broken. <laughs> You know, I can't remember which episode it was, but just in case someone wants to go back and figure out and hear the story, it's okay. worth hearing the story. So you can have somewhat of a, uh, uh, some type of a point to go from to this point to see how this guy's mindset is. <laughs> no, I mean, he's a smart dude, but that was a dumb mistake he did putting the ball on top of his foot. Yeah. He didn't think anything of it. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done, but the guy said, no, put the ball on your foot. So he put it on his foot and he got his foot kicked. Charlie Bad Brown for style. a pinky toe. <laughs> of all places, you know, a pinky toe, an injured pinky toe is a pain <clears throat> in the butt. You know, on your yeah. hand, people claim you don't need your pinky, but you need your freaking pinky because you want five digits. That's why <laughs> you need your pinky. And if it's gone, you look deformed and you don't have all your digits. You know, that's what that comes yeah. down to. But he had to cut out the little piece on the end of the shoe. So his <laughs> so he wouldn't feel a lot of discomfort. It was crazy, man. Yo, this is crazy the way it goes. But yeah, yeah, once again, if you want to go back in the episodes, I can't specify which episode it was, but the story was worth it hearing about the kicking the football, kicking the toe. Over it, you know, <laughs> just everything that came with it. Yeah, and then the story after that, too, about him and my, my other friend. Yeah, get into it over his pinky toe. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, one pinky toe can cause a whole lot of problems in a friendship. It may even ruin a friendship. Especially if somebody targets your pinky toe. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you got to go after the weakness. <laughs> if you got a, a handicap, maybe, you, know, you got to go after it. Yeah, but yeah. But anyway, yeah, let's move on, man. Yeah, let's move on, man, because when we were talking about initially with Sage uh, Steele leaving ESPN, leaving her $3 million on the table, and I don't believe you could say that it was about the money with her because it was still about her principle, I guess, when it comes down to her freedom of speech. 
and she wins that one. And of course, I think people can agree with it, but I know there will be people who don't agree because I've already heard some of the backlash from people who don't agree when she made the initial statement. You know, so it's not going to get any better. But I think she she got a win for the big guy or the little guy against ESPN and Disney. And I think that's something people were interested in hearing about. Yeah. So I mean, my, my thing is, if it was originally said in 2014, why are they still asking her about it in 2023? Because you know why, but, but I'm saying that's why I think that person had an agenda. And I can't fuck with people who have agendas because they're, they're all about themselves and dividing people and wanting people to agree with them. And, you know, if you go through life with an agenda, then... You also know we're in the the world of the accident. You know, people want to see the car wreck. They want to get the eyeballs and the clicks and all those things. And if you bring that stuff up from 2014, first with Barbara Walters, and then Jay Cutler brings it up, and then Megyn Kelly brings it up, I guess that's the point of contention. They want to make sure that that's in the public eye so they have something to focus on and see where all of this is coming from, or at least some of it. And, you know, it, you know, it served this purpose for her because she ends up winning the lawsuit, settling the lawsuit. Either way you look at it, she's leaving that job. I'm thinking there are going to be huge opportunities out there for her. And ESPN hasn't been what it was meant to be years ago. I mean, it stopped being what it once was years ago when it used to be the world's leader in sports. And then you bring in these activists and not just sports journalists, and it goes down the tubes like this. You know, you already saw what they've done with everyone getting fired the way they have and laid off, pretty much fired the way they were. And it's a completely different complexion on ESPN now. I mean, you're talking about someone like uh, Sage Steele when you keep someone like Malika Andrews around. Malika Andrews is is as bad as it gets when it comes down to who likes her, who doesn't like her. You know, sometimes that's good to have some type of a polarizing personality on your station, but in sports, and it seems like she has her biggest issues with black males, and you see a lot of these sports are dominated, or at least primarily with black males, that's not going to work good. How is that going to end eventually? And I know there's been stories coming out about her. I haven't validated them. I, I don't believe I can, and there's no real truth to them. It's just people who are pointing out things that she did back in high school and other things that she allegedly has done as well. So I guess there'll be a story behind that eventually one day. Yeah, but ESPN maybe be gone. Maybe exactly. <clears throat> I mean, when when uh, the Boston coaching situation was going on, she caught flack for mentioning um, the guy's past history with yeah. uh, allegations and whatnot. Um, but I don't. Maybe it wasn't appropriate. But if it's factual, then what was so bad about it? At the same token, if what she did in high school or college. It may not be appropriate to bring it up, but if she did it, she did it. So it's factual. So, you know, it goes both ways. Yep, exactly. Because going back to Sage Steeler once again, she didn't say anything that was not factual when she was asked about Obama identifying as just black and not biracial as he is, not talking about the white, just talking about the black. I mean, so, yeah, she didn't say anything that wasn't true. It's just that some people, if not a lot of people, don't like how their truth is given to them. And, of course, they damn sure don't like who it's given to them by if it comes down to some type of a political affiliation or ideology. And and that's where we were with that. 
So yeah, I mean, if, if it's true, it should be able to stand on its own merit with Malika Andrews and looking at all of the other things and accusations that have happened against her. I mean, look at the Jalen Rose incident when she was talking about him touching her the wrong way. It's always some black male on the other end of her eye. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I don't I have no idea why she did that. Jalen's finger was not in her armpit. Um, I don't know why Jalen didn't speak up right then and there. He's he made a video afterwards, but he should have stood up for himself right then and there. And if he made an issue out of it and you got the tape, his finger's not in her armpit, maybe she gets fired because of that. But he didn't make a big deal out of it, so ESPN was like, eh, no harm, no foul. You know what? I'm wondering, though, because they were like, no harm, no foul, but in this day and age, man, can you really say anything against a woman? I mean, we have this YouTube movement going around. We know how the politics of it can go. And this toxic masculinity they've been promoting for years, which is ridiculous as well. I mean, a, a man, especially in that kind of environment, especially after he's already been accused, even kind of sort of lightheartedly, he may not think it's worth going back and forth on something like that. It can only get worse. True. I mean, I'm I'm not in his head. You're not in his head. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just think myself, uh, if someone had said that and I wasn't doing it, I'd have been like, what the hell is wrong with you? My finger's not in your armpit. That's just me. But what, if someone, what if someone at ESPN, and as we've kind of heard or gotten ideas from, from people who dealt with them, that there are things said behind the walls that you probably aren't supposed to say, or they'll kind of bring you back in or reel you in if you go too far out and tell you not to say it this time like that. You got to say it this way, and that's why you have like a monolith ideology or mindset of people out there talking about sports, mixing it with politics and other social events. Yeah, that could be true. Uh, Who knows what what ESPN employees are told. Uh, You know, you can say this, but don't say that or don't go too far into it. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. I think Sage still probably be better off going to Fox News. You know, not even Fox News, just going somewhere else. I mean, Fox News may be a, a landing destination for her. But I mean, oh, I'm just saying, that she, she'd probably be loved on Fox News. Yeah, you know what? She was, wasn't was loved on The View because of her view. You know, <laughs> we already know where those girls lean. You know, most times people come on, if not every time. Their, their problem is they, they don't have people with different opinions. They're all, all the same. All agree. So they, it should probably be two and two. And that way it's more objective. And you have, you have, you you come to common ground instead of all people, all four people saying, "Yeah, that's wrong," and there's no opposing opinion. Yeah, incidentally, I I just kind of thought about it when because Obama's name came up, and I know that his name can kind of bring up a lot of issues with people who liked him or didn't like him. You know, the people who didn't love him when he was there. You know, if Trump would have said the same thing, you know, it would have been no one would have given a damn. I mean, that's just how it goes, you know, especially when you look at someone that's complete opposite, Trump and Obama, complete opposites. And, you know, politically and otherwise, people, the things that Trump can, uh, that Obama may have gotten away with or may have not gotten so much of a firestorm behind, the smallest thing, you know, Donald Trump is going to get criticized for. And it's been that way, whether it's the January 6th thing or whether it's just something that he says in jest. People are just not going to like him. You can't force people to like him, you know, regardless of what it is. He can say the nicest thing, and they'll twist it to the worst thing. I mean, I'm not even going to go too far into the politics of it, but Donald Trump's well, 
kind of breaks that. He, he did it to himself, though. And he's calling Rosie oh, O'Donnell no fat, and he's uh, shaming women and mocking the disabled reporter. He did now. That one is completely fabricated. How's that not, fabricated? It was, no, no, he did that, but no, but he didn't do that about the reporter. And if you watch a lot of the what other, you doing about? If you did a lot of those, if you watch a lot of what Donald Trump does, as you said, he does mock people this and that, but he wasn't a mocking a reporter for being for being disabled. He does things like that, cringe things like that, you know, almost all the time. And when he had done that, I thought, I mean, not even being a Donald Trump supporter, just being objective, I was like, the first, my first thought or inclination wasn't he's mocking a handicapped person. It was Donald Trump being John McCain's Trump. not a hero. Who? John McCain's not a hero. You know, John McCain, you know, come on now. We're not even, that's well, not I'm even saying he said, he said it. John McCain is a hero. I'm not well, saying not that according to Trump, Donald Trump said, his heroes don't get captured. I'm not saying that everything that he says. I'm just saying. I'm he does it. To, he Look, did it to himself. So when you, you start off on that track record, now people are looking for any little thing. Like, see, see, he did it again. See, he did it again. If he that was so, they would have taken the donations from him before he ran for president. Because before he ran for president, he said a whole lot of things that no one gave a damn about. And then after not as a politician, though. You know what? And I think a, a lot of people didn't, didn't think he was going to win either. He, he ran on not being a politician. What people thought and what polls say, we already know, doesn't matter. Things change and things happen. And he became the president when the polls said he should have been. But before that, yeah, but people say Joe Biden's creepy, and he is creepy. He's touchy-feely with kids and women, sniffing people. I mean, I don't know how he got elected, but Trump talking about his Trump talking about his daughter. That if that's not creepy, come on, man. They're both creepy. I, I don't well, care. I mean, well, she is an attractive chick. I mean, I've heard people talk about their daughters being attractive before. It's not like he's going after her. They would date their daughter if it wasn't their daughter. Who talks like that? Because just... I think it's getting more magnified. It's magnified more because it's Donald Trump, obviously. He's the, always going to be the flavor of dissent, regardless, you know, if you're not on his side, if you don't like him, or if you're just oh, someone. When you, when you have pictures of her, like she's 24 years old, sitting on his lap, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's creepy, man. Um, well, I mean, how many fathers had their daughter sit on their lap at one point or another? I mean, come on now. As twenty four year old, it's completely innocuous. Completely innocuous. As twenty four year old, not a twelve year old. If I had my my daughter be twenty three in October, if she sat in my lap, it would be nothing to it. Yeah, so but, but you don't I'll, talk about your daughter the way I you don't talk about, about it like that. But that's what I'm saying. Is, so mean, if you, but if you did, if you did, and then she sat on your lap, that would be creepy because of your these, thoughts. All of these, like women we already know, we would already know you think she's hot. Well, I mean, she's attractive. I don't know about how a father would say she's attractive. Her father said their daughter's attractive, and they know their daughters are attractive. But I mean, come on now. I mean, same, you know, same, saying my daughter's a beautiful woman is one thing, but saying she's hot and I would date her if she wasn't my daughter—that's come on, man. That, look, that's not. That's not. Ooh, that's not right. If Donald Trump was not president and he was pre two thousand sixteen. That wouldn't even get press. It would not get press at all. When he changed his D as a Democrat to an R, ran as a Republican, won the presidency, all of a sudden everything went down the tubes. So everything now is magnified and it's always going to be turned to how much they hate how he's done it. 
everything that would seem so innocuous in the past is now the worst thing ever. Only when he does it. If you look at some of these shows and some of these YouTube channels of these men and women on the street or even on campus, they will talk about the president did this and they would mention all of this egregious nonsense and the person will be like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever because they thought automatically it was Donald Trump. Whoever was interviewing them just simply said the president. They didn't say which president. And then they would say, that's what Barack Obama said. And they would look at them and, and right there changing <laughs> what it was. I've seen it too often. All of these other presidents or even Barack Obama specifically saying these things, but because he said the president and you just automatically assumed it was Donald Trump, everybody was like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. But as soon as they said, you know who said that? Before they could say Donald Trump, they said Obama. And they were like, wait a minute, but it's not really that bad. Are you freaking serious? This is the world we're living in. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you, you got Fox News going in on Obama because he wore a brown suit. Fox News is a joke, anyways. They're I'm just saying. Apart. I'm just saying they, they, everybody does it, and that's why I say fuck donkeys, fuck elephants. I've always said just go with your ideology because you can't fake your ideology. Either that, it's D and A D. Either that or you're not. Republican, Democrat, you can change anytime you want to change. If you don't like what Republicans are doing, become a Democrat. If you don't like what Democrats are doing, what happens if you don't like what either one of them are doing? Then you claim you can then, be an independent. Then you're, you're totally going. screwed. And then totally you can say I'm independent, but as far as your ideology goes, you can say I'm a conservative and you can say I'm a liberal. Now we have far right conservatives and far left cons uh, liberals. There isn't anything in the middle anymore. You know, back when they had the real moderates, when Tip O'Neill was in office and he and Ronald Reagan were able to argue and still come to some type of agreement and probably have a beer with one another after the argument. That's not what we have anymore. It's either you're wrong for believing what you believe if you're on the right or you're wrong for believing what you believe if you're on the left. There isn't any real same point in the middle where someone can just agree to disagree at the very least. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, you got yeah. Lauren Bober on the floor asking the guy if he agreed with changing the public urination uh, policy. <laughs> and he's like, no, I wasn't in favor. You were not in favor of it? I mean, she asked him like nine times. What the hell are you talking about? I mean, you—that's what you're concerned about, public urination. Wow! Man, look at the things that are even more important. But Katagi, we're not even talking sports, man. I know. Well, it's going to be a podcast. Let it be a podcast. We're have to edit the shit out of this show. Yeah, we have to edit the hell out of it. But a lot of this is going to be in it, <laughs> and it's just going to continue. I mean, you can just go down the list of things. Yeah, let's get back into a little bit of these sports because that's a little bit that's left. And Jonathan Taylor has been given permission by the Indianapolis Colts to seek a trade. This is the this gruntled running back for the Colts, who's been having issues with the owner, Jim Ursay over the past now several weeks, probably now months. And now he's been given the opportunity to look for a trade. He's been often injured, but when he wasn't injured, he led the league in rushing at one point. But he's been banged up quite a bit now. And with running backs not being as valuable as they used to be, as we've spoken about several times, it's, it may be slim picking for him. That's true. And uh, the name escapes me. who they signed a couple weeks ago? Um, who the heck was it? But he must be looking good in camp if they're like, you know what? <laughs> go, yeah, go ahead, seek a trade. Yeah, just seek That's a trade, you know. But, I, you know, I think it, it's getting too close to the season, and you need to have some type of, um, I don't know, you need to have some stability. 
you know, and at the yeah. running back spot, I guess if it is as as meaningless as they're making it out to be, I, I guess you can get rid of a guy like that and make him walk with look. Josh Jacobs is still looking for a contract and he has to settle for the, the franchise tender and he led the NFL in rushing. I mean, yeah, I, I saw he's coming back. He's ending his holdout. Well, he has to end it. What choice does he have if he doesn't exactly. work? Exactly. He's, like, he's, he's not getting a better deal. They're not trading him. So it's time to get, get in camp and get in shape. Yeah. I mean, you know, you would like to believe as a professional that some of these guys, how all of these guys, would be working out somewhat when they're not in camp. I mean, especially right now, because it is hot. It's, camp is camp. And you would like to believe that as professionals being in the league, as long as they've been in the league, that they would be out preparing themselves for a season because they are hoping, if anything, that this season does start back up with a new contract. But at worst case scenario, if it doesn't, you're still prepared. You're still going in. You do your job. And you might have more of an argument if the team sees you're working hard and putting in the work and you don't have any – you know, uh, backlash against them and no ill feelings or ill will towards them. They may just pick something up and give you a contract during the season. Players who have some of the leverage, they say, no, like Lamar Jackson, I'm not discussing anything during the season. So you kind of put that fire in their ass and make them make the decision right then or closer to the season rather than during the season. And and they gave him the big money. That's true. Um, uh, Good luck to to Taylor. I I don't know. If his agent's gonna work out a deal, or like you said, teams are the running backs just not a focus. No, yeah. if if you look at the contenders, how many of the contenders are like, man, if we just had a running back, I don't think any of them. It's not like that. Who's going to trade for him? Yeah, and was he even one of those running backs that caught out of the backfield? So he had that element like a Christian McCaffrey. No. He was running between between the tackles. He was a very good running back. In fact, he turned out to be better than I thought he would ever be coming out of Wisconsin. But but now he's also injured. And just like Derrick Henry, who started getting injured, and he's been injured a little bit more recently, um, you know, during the last season, I mean, his value is going down. He's just lucky he secured his bag on his second contract before he started kind of not going downhill, but started getting the injury bug, which usually leads to going downhill. Right. Um, I don't know how serious his injury is, but he's going to have, if he doesn't work out a trade, I mean, he's going to have to show it on the field anyway. Yeah. If he wants to, to get his bag, he's going to have to produce at a high level and show that he can be durable and not miss time. And to the Colts' credit, at least they're giving him an opportunity right now while all 31 other teams can take a look at him. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times these players get cut and it's almost like way too late because teams are scrambling because the season is around the corner. At least they have one more preseason game and then you're waiting all the way until September for these players to play. So they're giving him some ample time at least to sign with someone to at least know where he's going. They can know what direction they're going in and they can get whatever they're getting. Now, what are they going to ask for is another story because if you want to devalue the running backs as you are and as they have been doing, you can't ask for a King's Ransom for him anymore either. This isn't going to be a Herschel Walker trade or nothing close to it. That's true. I mean, they might be lucky to get a third rounder or a fourth rounder for him. I'm about to say fourth rounder sounds more like it. I mean, again and again, the running back position has been completely devalued. It makes it seem as though anybody can step in and do the job of the previous running back. And so far, it looks a lot like that. I mean, so – and. 
running backs just I, I never thought it would end up like this, but if you look back on it and see the evolution of how things have gone, when you had the split backfield, the thunder and lightning guy, you know, you had the Emmett Smith and Moose Johnson, you know, even Barry Sanders in his 2000 yard season, he had Tommy Vardell, even though he was more of a traditional fullback by then. But then you started having Ezekiel Elliott, someone who could carry the load, Derek Henry, who can carry the load. And then, all of a sudden, they kind of disappeared because of the run-pass option and the spread offense and much more passing and all the rules that favor wide receivers and quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, the, the league's a lot RPOs now, and you have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield, mm -hmm. and they're dropping back to pass a lot more nowadays, so you got to be able to block for the quarterback. Uh, it's not all about just running between the tackles anymore. No, it isn't. I mean, th there's so much more they're asking running backs to do in, in terms of protecting the quarterback, though. Not as much as he can go out there and just run the ball. You got to be in the right gap to block whoever's coming up the middle. You got to watch the outside, making sure you're going to block right there so the quarterback doesn't get sacked. It's no longer too much about the running back desperately getting the ball and running and making a big play. I mean, they need you on a goal line situation or a short yardage situation that's not on the goal line. And you're valuable there, especially if you're someone like Derrick Henry. But as far as um keeping the chains moving, they have such a short passing game. That's what's keeping the chains moving. A five-yard pass here on a slant. An eight-yard pass there. Okay, first down now. And you're getting it done faster. The numbers have gone up in terms of scores in the NFL over the past couple of years. And that lends itself to, yeah, they're getting in the end zone a lot more, a lot faster because of the passing rules. Yeah, and the game's a lot less physical. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, he, I don't understand. You know, a guy's going across the middle. He goes up for the ball. He gets hit. The ball gets knocked away, and there's a penalty. What is the the safety supposed to do? Wait for him to catch it and then tackle him? No, it's supposed to break it up. I yeah. mean, the league has gone way too far for the offense. It, it's it's sickening how how soft the league is now. And I understand what the league is doing because of that stigma of CTE and the money they had to give to the older players from back in the day and the way they, the way those players had to live and the way they are now. And even players of today, or at least recently, kind of not having the best of life after the NFL. And then, you know, Tony Dorsett, you hear about him talking about how he got lost in the grocery store, had to call his wife and this kind of thing. And that's craziness, man. You know, that's, that's that is. I didn't hear about that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he had to call his wife. You know, he's out and about. He calls his wife because he doesn't know where he is anymore. You know what I mean? At and least he remembered to, to call his wife. You he, know, so he, he still had, had a little bit. Huh? He, he probably just had her, her name on speed dial. No, but I'm saying at least he, oh, yeah. he still had enough left to think, oh, yeah. let me call my wife. Yeah. And he wasn't totally lost. And that's insane to have someone with a name like that. Tony Dorsett, man, this isn't just any guy. And I'm not saying that. He's more important than any other guy, but you would think if something like that is happening with him, how much do they really care about the person who isn't Tony Dorsett? Someone who just passed the fourth year and got into his fifth year to get a pension, you know, that kind of a guy. But, yeah. you know, the, the NFL is hypocritical as they always are. You know, they pushed out the money. I remember, I don't remember how much it was, 600 million or whatever it might have been. But they tell you about how much they care about head trauma and they're doing all of these things to prevent it. And you can see by the way they're calling games now, they're taking some steps. But then how do we get rid of CTE? Well, we add an extra game. We have more CTE to go around. 
You know what I mean? And in the eliminated preseason game, to say it's the same amount of games, <laughs> most of the starters don't play. What, maybe fifteen percent of the snaps, if that, in, in all of preseason. Matt, I think um, this Saturday coming, Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars will be making his preseason debut in the last game of preseason right. <laughs> at home. You know, so and then you look at Aaron Rodgers hasn't played, so he'll be making his debut if he gets out there. So these yeah, guys, just, and, Justin Fields, he played two series in the first game, and then didn't play week two. Exactly, and he's not, you know, and but and he's a younger player, but they're full of it. I mean, that's just what the NFL is when it comes down to that. They're they're just telling you anything, and because they have such a great product, and people are so rabid about football in the United States, it's the new pastime of way passing baseball after all these years you know decades and you know th they can do that they can say one thing and kind of sleight of hand do another we care about your brain injury let's add another game let's see if it gets rid of the brain injury it gets worse you know what i mean you went from yeah. 14 to 16 now 17 and you wanted 18 at least taylor swift declined performing at the super bowl so they have to get someone else <laughs> yeah yeah well who they're gonna get they said lizzo isn't that kind of person bruh come on <laughs> Taylor Swift decided to turn it down. You know, the story, I, I, I think the story is not with, with either one of them, that uh, you're not paid to go, you know, to, to perform at the Super Bowl. This is more of a, a promotional effort for your career. And I think it makes sense. I mean, you don't necessarily have to get paid, but you know what? If you got a hit or you got something that's going to be a hit and they're only bringing in the most popular artists, whatever you're throwing out there, the world is watching. And if, it, and if it happens yeah. to be a hit, it's going to be a hit. I just, hope, I just hope it's not a retread of, like, you know, 110-year-old Rolling Stones or, <laughs> Bro. you know what I mean? And I do not uh, want to see 50 I mean, I, I, I still listen either. to some of their songs from time to time, but I don't want to see them halftime at, at the Super Bowl. And wheelchairs and buggies look like they're in Walmart. <laughs> Come on. And we don't want to see Keith 50 Richards, a.k.a. Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. <laughs> Bro, I mean, he's like 140 years old, ain't he? Man, like Rocky Marciana. <laughs> Joe Louis, Rocky <laughs> Marciana, right? Yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, I don't even really watch the Super Bowl's halftime show. I mean, I really it depends never, who's, who's performing for me. I, I know I just haven't watched it. I mean, even when Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson went through their thing, I wasn't even watching. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's been so long since I've even paid attention to it. I think when Michael Jackson was actually with it, I think I probably glimpsed at it. And that, that was it. And then, you know, I, well, I did stay around and saw 50 Cent hanging from the, the ceiling, man. About <laughs> <laughs> a 300 pound 50. But, and that was more ridiculed and laughing at that. It wasn't because I was waiting to see 50. You know, so I, I've never been into it. Like, you know, quite frankly, I haven't really been as much into the Super Bowl as I've been in the past. I never thought in my life that would happen, but I don't know if it's because the games aren't as exciting or is it because football has changed so much from what we're used to? I don't know. Only you can speak on that. I still watch the Super Bowl. I mean, my interest level goes up and down depending on who's playing. Yeah. You know, obviously the Bears haven't been there in a while, so it's usually uh, dependent on if I how much I dislike one of the teams. Um, but last year, I didn't really dislike the Eagles, but I appreciate Mahomes. So yeah, I, you know, I was kind of a, a Chiefs fan. I wouldn't yeah, call yeah. myself a Chiefs fan, but in the Super Bowl, I was going for the Chiefs. 
See, I remember when it used to be exciting from beginning to end, no matter who was in there. As a Jets fan, you know you wasn't going to have your team in there. So we just watched other teams. You know what I mean? When Doug Williams was in the game and he played against Denver. And I picked – well, I think I picked Denver to win that year. And it was, you know, Doug Williams getting the MVP. Timmy Smith running for over 200 yards. And no one can remember him right now, probably including his parents, that he had done it coming out of Texas Tech. Yeah. I mean, you look at all of these games that they've had and. Do you watch it now because it's exciting or because it's pretty much a habit after all these years? It's the thing to do. You want to talk about something at the cooler the next day? It, it, the excitement I used to have for every Super Bowl just doesn't seem, doesn't seem to be there anymore. And I remember the Rams and the Patriots, that was as bad a game as you can get in terms of point score. And it was just boring. And there was no <laughs> yeah. people to hang around. But it yeah. still got its ratings. I think it was more of a habit of people watching the Super Bowl. It was the thing to do. You're right. I mean, that's what that's what people do. I mean, I've the first Super Bowl I remember watching was the Steelers versus the Rams in the '79. In '79, mm -hmm. and I've watched everyone since. Yeah. I mean, there is, you know, I either go to a friend's house or friends come over, over to my house. You know, we we make a party of of it. Man, football overall used to be huge for me. I mean. Of course, people know me, know I box is my game, and football is like a almost close second. But uh, football has always been very important. Going to, you know, going to games, you know, going to games and going to training camps. My first training camp back in 1990, the, uh, the Giants were at Fairlane Dickinson University. Rodney Hampton was a rookie coming out of Georgia. They drafted him. It was Joe Morris's last year. He was the running back that was the running back when they won their first Super Bowl and Super Bowl 20, you know, and I remember um, Lawrence Taylor was holding out and Carl Banks was there being mean and Eric Dorsey, the incredible Hulk, they called him back then. And then they won the Super Bowl that year. You know, it was, it was, it was a good thing. It was a cool thing. And, you know, and then going to the Jets training camp and as I talked to you. So, so how is it that you became a Jets fan, not a Giants fan? I've always been a Jets fan. I don't know. I just, I'm a, a glutton, a glutton. There's fan. no reason. I don't know. You no, know, I've always been like, I've always just liked the Jets. Um, I don't know because remember, I, I don't know if you know, but I've been a Steelers and a Jets fan since I was a kid. And the reason why, like a lot of like little kids, you see the team that wins all the time and you like their colors. And being in New York, you got a chance to watch a lot of Pittsburgh games. So I like them a lot and they were winning. But I've always just liked the Jets. And then even now I'm still a Steelers fan, but I'm always going to take the Jets first as the home team. But, yeah, I just took the Jets, just like the Yankee fans are Yankee fans and Mets fans are Mets fans. But I understand a lot of times why Mets fans are Mets fans because you had the loss. Because the, the Yankees top. fans get on their nerves, so they go for the Mets. Oh, no. Nah, you know what? The <laughs> the, you know what? That may, not right now. I guess we get on each other's nerves right now from just not winning, seeing who's winning the least, and we're going to tease. You know, the no, I, I, have, I have a friend. He didn't even like football till he was, like, 30 years old. You know, I'd say 99% of my fan, my friends are, are Bears fans growing up in Northwest Indiana near Chicago. And when he did decide to become a, a, a football fan, he became a Packers fan. <laughs> it made no sense. Dude, I'm like, you didn't even like football last year. How are you a Packers fan? And he couldn't even explain it. He, he did it just because he wanted to get on Bears fans' nerves. You know, Look, yeah, I, there's something to that, and I think there's a story behind everybody. You, you don't go from from not liking football to trolling your Bears fan friends. I mean, 
it's fun. Dead, People like to do that. They like the chaos of sports. I don't understand it, but whatever. When I lived in Alabama, I became an Auburn fan because everybody was an Alabama fan. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I've always been a, a Miami Hurricanes fan, so people already knew that. But while I was in Alabama, Auburn was the team I was going to go for all the time. And Auburn wasn't as good back then all the time. In fact, Alabama won a national championship back then. You know, in fact, um, Miami was also favored by 13 and lost to that Alabama team. But I used to do that because, well, it was fun. You can, you know how the rivalry is, no matter how bad Auburn was and how good Alabama was that year. And at that point, they were considered the best defense ever up to that point. And they still only beat Auburn 17 to nothing in their Iron Bowl the year they won the Super Bowl of the, the championship and beat Miami 34-13 in the Sugar Bowl. So, But it's always just nice to be able to troll people. That's the part of sports that I, I just enjoy that, being able to do it. I mean, I've I've seen a lot and done a lot in sports in terms of covering sports and kind of participate a bit in some sports, not professional, semi-pro in some cases. And hey, it's just fun to do. I mean, I, so I don't, I don't get it. I, I only troll trolls. If I see somebody trolling, and then I see an opportunity to troll the troll, that's when I go in on it, and then they get all whiny and I'm the bad guy. But I just spit my water. I don't care. Huh? I just feel my word on the keyboard when you say like the troll the troll, man. It was for a minute. <laughs> and that, hey, it's, it's a battle out there, you know, trolling one another. But I mean, that's sports, man. You know, sports fans, fans is short for fanatics, and people prove it, you know what I mean, by loving their team, regardless of whatever sport, and they follow it like that. But you know, as, as far as the this, this football goes and going to Super Bowls or at least seeing Super Bowls or watching Super Bowls and just not what it once was. And I think it may be because of the way the game has changed. The excitement or even knowing who's going to win or not. Before, remember, the, the outcome was a foregone conclusion a lot of times. You know what I mean? When you saw the, the Buffalo Bills after the Giants game, every other game they had for that, when they went three other times, they were blown out. And with at their chance, they were blown out. And, you know, there wasn't really anything nice to see about it until games got closer and, and it was, got a little better when the Giants played the Patriots. That was exciting. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of Super Bowls are letdowns. A lot of them are just straight ass whippings. Yeah, but in lieu of being a letdown because one team is so much better than the other, I think all of these offensive rules that have been lax because they want more offense. Americans love offense. You know, they won't like soccer because there aren't enough goals scored. Baseball kind of gone down in football at the new pastime because there aren't a lot of runs scored unless you're the Mets losing 21-7 to or 21-3. to But people like to see scores. NBA is popular because there's a lot of scoring. And so now the NFL, if mm -hmm. in lieu of an excellent game, you'll just have a lot of points scored. Right. I mean, it seems to be that way across all sports, except soccer. They hardly ever score. But even in baseball, you know, people say the ball is juiced or ballparks are yeah. smaller now, nowadays. Uh, uh, hitters are using launch angles for more home runs. People don't, don't care about strikeouts. You know, it, it's, it's across all sports for the most yeah. part. Yeah, baseball damn sure doesn't care about strikeouts because the windmills we have playing today. I mean, they, and then you look at guys in the past. I mean, even if you want to call a recent with Tony Gwynn, who could put the bat on the ball, or Wade Boggs, who could put the bat on the ball. I mean, even Barry Bonds, before he juiced, putting the bat on the ball. I mean, you don't have those kinds of guys anymore. I can't really – I mean, we talk about Lewis Arise, and he's putting the bat on the ball. 
You know what I mean? He's yeah, but I mean, like in the nineties, there's there are guys, and you mentioned Manny. He used to hit for average. Exactly. You know, Frank Maybe. Thomas. Frank Thomas had a year. He had I think three fifty three, forty some home runs, one hundred thirty RBIs, and in, he didn't have years like that all the time. But he always hit like three twenty with forty two exactly. and one hundred and ten. And you had guys like um, uh, Bagwell. You know, he could hit the ball for average. I mean. Nowadays, it's just hit or miss. It's exactly that. I mean, look at Aaron Judge. I mean, the guy just—I mean—he's gotten better, but he's gotten better and still on pace of like 150 strikeouts or somewhere around here, or even more than that. And that's after missing all of these games, you know. So, I mean, it's just a different game. So, yeah, people are more interested in runs, and of course, I think they're making some of these ballparks a little smaller, so their band box is where the ball flies out anyway. Yep. You know, what I mean, shortening the porches. <clears throat> I don't know if these players are juiced anymore, but, you know, whatever. They'll figure it out. Hey, but real quick, I thought you wanted to talk about Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. Jordan Love, when you talked about your friend changing to a Packer fan, I was going to bring up Jordan Love. And Jordan Love says he's ready to go this season and ready to pick up where Aaron Rodgers left off. Or really, does he really want to do that? Because Aaron Rodgers didn't leave on a great note. But he wants to be the future of the Green Bay Packers, and he believes that he can. He's had a pretty solid preseason, and then as you know and I know, preseason doesn't mean as much as people would want it to mean, but it's something to get you excited about when you're looking for your new quarterback to live up to some type of expectation. You know, he's thrown two touchdowns, about a little bit over 130 yards, and the little time they've given him, he was sharp enough, maybe saving the best for the regular season. Maybe, but what else is he supposed to say? (laughs) I mean, now if he said this last year – like, mm-hmm. hey, Rodgers, he's doing pretty good, but I'm ready. I think I can run this team. Now now he's making news. But, I mean, him saying it now, um, nothing to see here. Yeah, but he's also getting something done in, in camp. And I think when you're a team like Green Bay that's making the transition, you'd like to at least see something for the guy that's the heir apparent. And he's showing yeah, but something. what's he going to say? Oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready. Uh this, I mean, this might be too big for me. I mean, he's, he's not going to well, say that. Going for the, the limited performances he's been putting up during the preseason, I mean, that's enough to be optimistic about the way he could say, I can't wait to go. Now, I'm just talking about throwing, what he said. That's now, all if he's been throwing those interceptions he's been throwing in camp, if he was doing that in the preseason, he probably wouldn't be saying this. <laughs> I mean, he would say something else that kind of sounds like it, but he wouldn't have gone out on a limb to say it exactly. So I think, you know, I'll, I'll look forward to Jordan Love just because he's the new kid on the block. And just as, I like seeing young quarterbacks develop or see if they're the truth or not. And we'll find out real quick if he's the truth or not. Looking forward to game. You know who they have week one, right? The Bears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the Bears. Yeah, week one, the first game. Isn't that a Thursday night game? I'm not sure about that. No, no, I know what. It might not be a Thursday night game because typically a Super Bowl champ or a Super Bowl participant would be in the money the Thursday night game, I believe. But yeah, I mean, hell, he'll find out right away. And will you really have a gauge? Well, of I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's going to be tested by the Bears. I mean, I'm about to say, do you do you give <laughs> if it's a game? I'm a just game saying that's who's on the that's who's on the record week one. If there's a game where you can gauge whether he's good or bad, if he just lit the Bears up, you could say, well, they're just the Bears, or would you be able to see something between the lines that, you know what, there may be some promise there? I don't know. You know, they're kind of throwing their D-line together. They just uh, signed uh, 
your guy. I I can't pronounce his name. He has the funny name. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, Ngakwe. You know, so they have a you would think a decent pass rusher, but nobody else on that line has any history of performing well. They hired, hired, they signed a couple free agents, uh, so their linebacker play should be better. Um, they'll be decent in the backfield, but Eddie Jackson still does not like to tackle running backs. He, he, he'll, he'll come up and, and try to fill the hole and and act like he got his ankles broken. Um, it's pathetic. He can't tackle. But if he's allowed to ball hawk, he's no Ed Reed, but, you know, he does that better. So, but if Jordan Love, you know, floats a couple balls out there, Eddie Jackson can go for them. Yeah, and pick it off if that's going to happen. But Yannick Ngakwe that you mentioned, I mean, he's a productive player. It's just that some of these things that might be going on in his head may be an issue. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and talk about mental illness or whatnot right now, but it seems like when he was here in Jacksonville, man, they loved him, and then next thing you know, he was gone. A lot of times you just see behind the scenes that kind of tells you somewhat of a story. He goes on to another team. Now he's with the Chicago Bears, and you just wonder why is he going from team to team because he still has the talent. And I think this year you're going to get a chance to see it. You'll hear about him if he doesn't get injured. You'll hear about him and see that he he's he's a quality player. I just don't know why he goes from place to place. You know, and I, I mentioned it in one of the shows previous about Alonzo Spellman, as you know, being a former Chicago Bear, playing for Ohio State. He had real mental issues. and He started doing craziness, and that kind of disrupted his career. Yeah. But he had a lot of talent. It's just that he had those mental issues. And that's the guy I think about when I think about Yannick Ngakwe. Well, Spellman had a couple good years with the Bears. So hopefully they can get a couple good years out of him. <laughs> And he doesn't do anything crazy here. You know, I think Spellman, he, didn't he hurt some people some kind of way? I I, I hope not, but I, I was. I think he did. I mean, yeah, I, I recall he, what he did was bad. Yeah, I know um, one time he was out in Chicago walking around with no shirt on. And that was yeah. some, something, you know. But he, he was bipolar, uh, still probably, you know, still is on medication. You know, I've, I heard a story a little while back that. He's trying to get his life together. You know, he has gotten into other incidents since he's left the NFL over the years. But, you know, apparently, you know, he's not dead and he hasn't killed anybody. So let's hope that things are at least going well for him now. You know, but one thing in staying in that Midwestern region that might not be going well for someone right now, at least for three games, is Jim Harbaugh. A self-imposed. You and I were just talking about he's suspended for four. Suspended, not suspended, suspended again. Well, they made it clear, Michigan, that they would just do this self-imposed suspension. Forget the NCAA like everyone else seems to be forgetting. It looks like they want to get their own conference together and get out of the NCAA. But, yeah, <clears throat> the first three games, he'll be out. And I think the, the most imposing game, for lack of a better term, would have been Rutgers in that mix. And, wow, so what? And so when they come back, he comes back, then they can beat Rutgers with him instead right. of without him. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the the school is trying to show good faith to the NCAA. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. If I'm Harbaugh, I'm like, what are you talking about? Suspended? The the NCAA lifted the suspension. Now, with or without pay, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I I don't know that. That's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, 
But you know, Miami did the same thing to themselves. You know, that, that reminds me of OJ being acquitted and then having Ken taken to another court. <laughs> well, he was. I'm not saying it's the same team. I'm just saying it's, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was, the suspension was lifted, but he's suspended again for the same, for the same thing in the same game. So, so, I mean, with Jim Harbaugh and this Michigan team, I think they're going to be in very good hands because they have an excellent team, not a good team, an excellent team and an excellent chance to go after the national championship and possibly win it. I mean, we talked about that just a couple of days ago. At least we touched on what Michigan actually has on the team as opposed to what people just automatically assume the SEC is better at. They're the only team out of the top four teams going by the AP that has their returning quarterback, and J.J. McCarthy is no slouch. So it's going to be an interesting season. And not to mention, the All-American list came out today, and J.J. McCarthy wasn't on that, but Blake Coleman was on it, the Michigan running back. So, you know, they have quality players on that Michigan team, and they're going to do some things. Uh, I think Eichmann, the, the, uh, no, that's for, uh, for Ohio State, he's on, um, he's on it, the linebacker. And uh, Brock Bowers, of course, leads the way. Caleb Williams leads the way because the high trophy winner for USC, thinking they're going to win something other than just a game. And there isn't going to be any national championship coming through the Pac-12. Forget about it. It's not happening. Yeah, what about that kid from uh, Iowa State? Oh yeah, Brock, uh, the running back, uh, Jarrell Brock. Uh, Brock, he was uh, he left the team. He left the team. He but this guy, he bet three games of his own games, so he's out. Yeah, he 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 left before he got put out. Yeah, and there may be more to it because before we've talked about these people, <clears throat> players betting and even NFL players betting, we wonder much ado about nothing. But this guy. Bet on his own team has made over ten thousand dollars or seventeen twelve thousand dollars, whatever it might have been. Right. Made over thirteen hundred wagers. <laughs> I mean, come on. What twenty-five cent hit, thirty cent there, fifty cent there. <laughs> I mean, for all those wages just to get that little bit of money betting wise. But yeah, but he left the team, and I think another player left the team, and there's a couple of players who are still in the roster. Now will they leave the team so later? I don't know. But I was state of all schools. The Big 12, I mean, they're just lucky to have teams there right now. <laughs> now they hardly have any players with Iowa State losing players. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't understand. Like, it should be common knowledge. You don't bet on your own team. No. Nope. I mean, if you look, I think that would be like gamble, not to gamble one-on-one. I mean, and then he did it uh, under an alias or a made-up name or someone else's name. So he knows what he was doing. Yeah, I knew what he was doing. When they were going down the list about a week ago or so, they all did that. They all had their family members' names, you know, mom and this and that or the other. It was a lot of women, by the way, that these guys used in order to run with these accounts. But they were found out, and in his case, you know, he, he left. He saw the writing on the wall, and it might get even worse, and he got off the team. But um, was Iowa State really expected to do much this year outside of playing against Iowa and having the close game they have every year? I mean, Probably really. not, but it's just another example of someone being an idiot. Oh, no, that's a complete idiot. If you're going to gamble, gamble. If you're going to get caught, get caught. But don't get caught while gambling on your own team. I mean, that's – and what the, and now with YouTube being what it is, going back to that game to see if anything looked a, a mix. <laughs> Who tripped when they shouldn't have? You know what right. I mean? Who's, 
who dropped the ball when it should have been caught. You start thinking about those things. But yeah, and, and by the way, also with the All American team, Marvin Harrison Jr. Come on, the best wide receiver in college football. That dude's bad. That, <clears throat> that dude's bad, man. Man, this guy catches everything. You know, if you want, and I hate calling. You know, I, I mean, know. his dad was bad as hell, but I, I think he's better than his dad at, at this same stage. Oh yeah, and, and you know, because he's in an offense where he could be better because his dad was in Syracuse where there wasn't a lot of <laughs> you know, passing. You're running the option. Uh, who I think was his father? Was it uh, Marvin Graves going to his father? Or it wasn't Dalvin McNabb. I think it might have been Marvin Graves who was throwing to his father at Syracuse. So if so, I can see why his numbers might have been down, but he made great catches and he took advantage of every opportunity he could in that option offense they had with Don McPherson up there. Or it might have even been Don McPherson who was passed to him as well because the other Don McPherson, the quarterback. But, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., this guy is phenomenal. And you're talking about a game changer. I think he legitimately was a game changer in the national championship game when he got hit, I mean, in the playoffs, when he had gotten hit and knocked out of the game. Yeah, that game was pretty much decided right then and there. Yeah, I mean, he's that kind of a player. And you don't you don't want to call your shot, but everybody likes trying to call their shot. This guy is the first wide receiver going in next year's draft, providing he doesn't get a serious injury like Jamison Williams did when he got an ACL in the national championship game, dropping his stock, but he still went number 12. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is that guy. If you ever wanted to invest in a wide receiver at number one and not have a Keyshawn Johnson or even an Urban Fryer, well, this would be the guy. <laughs> he catches everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, you need, you need difference makers to win in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. And he's going to be a difference maker. Oh, he's going to be. I, I just can't imagine him not. You know, I'm having the same vibe about him. Not that he's Randy Moss, but when Randy Moss was coming out, you just knew he was going to be the man. When he was embarrassed in Florida State in practices, and you heard the stories about that, and then you saw him just kidding around in Marshall. The team still passed up on him. Yeah, because of the, all the issues they felt he would have had off the field, you know, the weed and the fighting, the issues from high school with that little racial thing going on, and Notre Dame allegedly used, uh, misplacing his transcript like they couldn't order another. Come on, man, get out of here with that. And then what he did with Florida State, he had his final chance. Bobby Bowden, of all people, gave him an opportunity, and he blew that one. So, you know, he had way too many opportunities for a team to say, let's take him with the number one pick and give him all this money, even though he lived up to it. But at the time, I could see why they were thinking the way they were thinking. And surprise, surprise, Georgia announces their starting quarterback, none other than Carson Beck, the most unsurprised person in the room. I mean, he had all the experience, and he's been with the program. He sat behind Stetson Bennett, who won two national championships. Now is with the Rams and doing some decent things during the preseason himself. But Carson Beck will be trying to lead Georgia to a third national championship. But once again, I think Michigan will have something to say. So it's not even an SEC foe, but a Big Ten foe that might have something to say when it comes down to who might be the champion in college football this year. And finally, the United States at FIBA struggles against Germany. How was that? Wait, I can't even ask how is that possible because we know that a lot of teams have caught up to the to the NBA and a lot of these players now, I mean, when they splinter out and go play for their FIBA teams, like Franz Wagner playing Wagner playing for um, Germany, but he's an NBA player. It's not like 92 anymore. We know that. 
I think it's probably a, a matter of the USA um, look looking past Germany, you know, not giving them the credit that that an opponent deserves. You know, they probably came out a little bit flat. They had to come from behind. And, you know, Germany's coming out. Hey, if we knock off USA, you, you know, that's a big boot. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they, I'm sure they came out high intensity and USA didn't. And they eventually had to raise their intensity to get the win. But I just think probably a lot of USA players are a bit arrogant, thinking they're yeah. the best in the world. And but you know, other other countries, they're, they're those teams. They play together way more often than mm-hmm. USA plays. You know, so they're running into actual teams. Yeah, so you and, and you know, you be you be USA. That's a big notch on your belt. You and so they they're coming to play. And as you said, it's not ninety two. The world has improved. Oh, the world had improved before those teams got blown up by eighty points and was glad to get a picture with Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know what I mean? They was happy to do that afterwards and didn't have any problem with it. Now they've put in the work, and you can see even back when the Olympic team was doing their exhibitions, they lost to Nigeria, man. Come on now. Nigeria, who's never been known for basketball, but I guess now it might have inspired some young kids to do a little bit more basketball. I mean, I mean, uh, Hakeem is from Nigeria, but you know he's the only one that's really made his name in the NBA. But yeah, the world obviously has caught up to the uh, the U.S. and I still believe that Australia may be the second best team or country in basketball outside of the USA. I know Canada's had some players that have come into the NBA doing work as well, but I still think that Australia and I think you know Spain and France they're doing well basketball as well, and and Greece you know America beat them as well. Right. Um, USA should win, but they're going to have to come to play. You, they, you can't just walk out on the court and, and get the W. The other teams are coming to play high intensity, and they got to match it. Now, what do you think about these, um, you know, the international rules? How much does that play into the U.S. team not being in sync? Like they, Well, it's like an all-star game, and in the all-star game, we see, like, they look like they're in sync. You know, the alley-oops and all that stuff, it looks choreographed but they are that athletic and that good to where they can pull that off. It's not so much like that when they're playing in these international games with the trapezoid, when they're over, you know, during the Olympics or going on right now, just overall rules. Of course, there's an adjustment period, but I don't think the, the rules are that different where it should affect them on the court. For the most part, you know, American players are trying to shoot threes. They're trying to spread the court. The trapezoid uh, lane. Who who's trying to post up? You know, it's true. Who, who who do they have trying to post up? Who whose post game is being affected? Because now he's got to post up further away from the basket. It's <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah, we don't have guys who can shoot like the hell. It went for Jokic though. You know, he got that touch to where he can still make it drop. But yeah. anyway, well, that'll be it for us today. We put together a pretty nice show. I mean literally put together a pretty nice show so the sports back bros podcast will come to an end on this monday episode number 45 46 is coming tomorrow we're gonna go along with this format probably from here on out including if we do more live feeds if you all decide to join us for those live feeds our trap he's biased peace out until 46. <laughs>